I'm Sarah and I am the chair of Coventry Cultural Education Partnership and I'm also the director of Highly Sprung, a small arts organisation based in Coventry and committed to children and young people's development. And you are listening to CSEP's brilliant podcast, a podcast brought to you by CSEP, the Coventry Cultural Education Partnership. And for those of you who don't know or who are asking what is CSEP, well, it's a group of brilliant people committed to children and young people in Coventry. And we work with an even more brilliant collection of cultural champions in schools, arts organisations and the heritage and culture sector across the city to ensure that every child and young person in Coventry has the opportunity to experience cultural learning opportunities that enable them to flourish, to thrive and to be optimistic about their futures. We've created this podcast series to bring together some brilliant people to talk about some of our most important topics, to better connect teachers, creatives, cultural organisations and more, to allow us to be inspired, to learn and to grow from each other. These podcasts have been made to celebrate some of the work that's happening in Coventry, but we're sure that the themes and topics that we're going to discuss are going to be relevant across the sector nationally. We're going to hear from a panel of experts discussing their experiences in education from their major successes right through to the mistakes they've learned from so that we can all be more brilliant, spread our impact further and help make children's lives better. In today's episode, our guests are going to be discussing the subject of early years. And early years is an incredible and monumental time in our development. During that time, our brains grow to twice the size they are when we're first born and create more connections in our brain than at any other point in our entire lives. We're interested to know what impact does using arts and culture as part of this development have on our children and how important is it anyway? We hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned to the end to find out how you can get involved in helping us to make sure that Coventry is a place where all children and young people can be brilliant. Okay, so hello everybody. It's so great to have you here. I'm really excited to hear everything that you have to say. Uh, let's start by just going round and if you could tell us who you are and where you're from and a little bit about what you do. I'm Sarah Fisher and I'm from the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust in Stratford. The Shakespeare Birthplace Trust is the independent charity that cares for the five historic properties related to Shakespeare in Stratford. I actually work within the learning team. I'm an education officer and the early years and informal learning lead. Um, and within the learning team, we run courses and drop-in sessions for early years all the way through to lifelong learners. Um, I'm Baljit Gill. I'm from Imagine Creative Early Years, uh, a nursery in Wyking in Coventry. I'm Liz Bale. I am the Early Years Learning and Development Advisor for Coventry City Council. Um, we are a service who work with birth to three settings across Coventry, um, supporting them with quality and safeguarding. So I have myself and a team of five advisors who work with me. So what a brilliant group of people we have in the room today to talk about the really important um, 
subject of early years and the impact that arts and culture can have on children's development. So I'm really interested in understanding how you all got to be in the role that you're in, kind of like your origin story. So if we were going to think about Spider-Man and Spider-Man's origin story is that he once he got bit by a spider and all of a sudden got these superpowers and was able to go out and save the world. What is it? What's your origin story? How did you get to be where you are? What is the kind of the passion that has driven you into your role? So Baljit, could we could we start with you? I think I have a natural leaning towards creativity in early years, um, inspired by many things, you know, many things early years, such as, you know, Froebel's Blocks and Eleanor Goldschmidt's Treasure Baskets and um, Loose Parts, um, Forest Schools, uh, deeply inspired by the schools of Reggio Emilia, uh, and the learning that uh, has gone on there um, and have also been very um, motivated uh, and inspired by the creative partnerships and creators' work uh, that we did over the years in Coventry um, and more recently uh, doing further research on creativity in early years. Excellent. Thank you. Sarah? Well, I don't have any superpowers, that's for sure. Um, but um, I w- have always been interested in drama. Drama is what my degree is in. Even before that, I was um, with Playbox Theatre and working with um, children in the early years, supporting their Apple Club. Um, after university, I actually left and was a primary school teacher, but again, was always interested in um, drama, creative learning, cross-curricular teaching as well. Um, and then after leaving teaching, I found my role at the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust within education, um, where all of my favourite subjects really come into play. So drama, English, history. Um, and I've always been interested in finding creative ways to to approach well in my current job the teaching of Shakespeare amazing thank you you said you don't have any superpowers but that sounded like rather a few talents there thank you Liz Uh, so I am a primary school teacher trained um, and had taught all the way through the primary age range Um, it was actually my children who inspired me I suppose to get into early years before then I predominantly taught key stage two And they went to an amazing Packaway preschool. And I remember going to kind of a parents' evening and they had these paintings of daffodils on the wall on display. And Alison, who's the manager, said, oh, that's Harry's, my son. And I said, no. And she said, yes, that's his painting of a daffodil. And it just kind of opened my eyes, I suppose, to the wonder of early years teaching and educating. And since then, I'd spent a lot of time before I actually taught in early years, reading, researching. And then once I started in our nursery, I taught there for a number of years and in reception. um, And just completely fell in love with the I suppose the transformative power of early years education um and even before I knew the research knowing what a difference it makes to children's future lives when we get it right in early years so that's kind of what I'm passionate about making that difference from from the moment they're born really and when they come into us in education um and that came from you know a wonderful example of early years education that my children had I love that it all started with a beautiful picture of daffodils that's mm-hmm. that's beautiful and also that that idea of 
the transformative power of um, early years. We know it's an enormously important as part of children's development. And, and I've just wondered if there was anything that you can recall, sort of maybe even in your own lives or the lives of, of your children, where you've seen the importance of arts and culture as, as part of that development. It's really interesting because although I've always been interested in the theatre and I've always been a theatre going myself, um, I've seen things very much in a different way since having children. I have a five-year-old and I have a two-year-old um, and I'd never actually been to children's theatre because, um, well, it wasn't such so prevalent when I was younger, um, although I went to a few things when I was slightly older with my parents. Um, but then taking them along to see it and seeing the sheer magic and wonder and joy um, at what was going on and how things are so much more relax now people often think going into the theatre where you sit down and you're quiet in your seats and then you you know you're quiet until the end but with children's theatre now it's so interactive it's so um it's so relaxed and they can really participate um and I know for a fact my children have talked again and again about their experiences at the theatre and particularly at Warwick Arts that they've had um and it's just magical to be a part of that as a parent yeah I love the idea of magic and I wonder if that's something that that feels important that we that we find in arts and culture with early years. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that sometimes in in early years, with um, you know national reports that are published or research reviews, it can seem like the curriculum has been narrowed slightly. But I think that the the arts and the creative side of learning really opens up avenues for early years educators to support children across their learning. If we think of the seven areas of, of learning, you know, those prime areas that we really do focus on in the early years lend themselves so well to creativity. Um, and I think it's a real vehicle for supporting children in communication and language, in their physical development, in their PSED, their social skills. So for me, I think the magic of early years, you you can really use creativity as a vehicle to bring that magic along. And I think that we're so lucky as early years educators that we have that that scope of a curriculum that means that we can weave creativity, you know, when it's done well, we can weave it into all areas of learning. Um, and I think that for me, early years is magical. You know, it, it's a really magical time. And that's where we see early years when it works really well is when we see that magic in oh. the children and in the activities. Yeah, and what, what people can't see at home is that we're all smiling, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you, Baljit, you, you mentioned creative partnerships being a really fundamental part of, of kind of how you have developed your role. And for Coventry Cultural Education Partnership, the, the key word for us is partnership. So I wondered if you could speak more about some of those partnership experiences that you've had. Um, I think I agree with Liz that um, early years offers us this great sense of freedom to do things, you know, in ways that perhaps in schools may be limited. Um, I think, though, that often creativity is understood in very narrow ways in early years. What creative partnerships did was to open up that thinking, to um, offer settings such as ours, the opportunity for practitioners to understand creativity uh, far more broadly uh, in, in very exciting ways. I think that the excitement that came for not only practitioners but for children and for parents, um, we haven't seen that since. 
kind of went away and um, there has been nothing else really. I know there is, there's pockets of work that's going on, but there's nothing that was as sustained as that. And that was sustained for a good period of time. And I know it made a difference to practitioners, children and families. At the time I was working with particularly vulnerable children and families. And so for those children and families, it was uh, access to some very exciting opportunities um, without any cost to children, without any cost to families um, and exciting learning for, for practitioners. Could you paint us a picture of what one of those kind of exciting moments might have looked like if we were going to be there? What, what might be going on? Okay, um, we had several projects that I think were very exciting. We had something which was called the Bear Hunt. That was an outdoor learning experience um, where children and parents and practitioners physically set up spaces and environments. We worked in partnership with artists and creative practitioners. Um, the partnerships were were great because the early years were bringing their expertise, the artists and creative people were bringing their expertise and together we were providing exciting environments, spaces, materials um, and um, opportunities to experience the bear hunt in a very kind of sensory, lived, embodied kind of way rather than just simply through a book. Mm. The environments and spaces that we created um, with others were exciting. They were not your um, kind of um, familiar early years settings, but um, they were just full of rich materials, rich spaces, rich environments. Uh, yeah, exciting, exciting. Work. So it gave gave the opportunity for children to experience that book coming off the page almost. Completely, yes, yeah, absolutely, lovely. yeah. And it's been done several times since, but, you know, in the outdoors, um, setting up those kinds of spaces, very different experience from doing it indoors, sitting on a carpet in a circle, yeah. uh, as we traditionally do, uh, yeah. And and Sarah, I was wondering, you work for the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust, and I, and I think in your introduction you mentioned how you um, have responsibility for properties, but also sort of... The, the, for Shakespeare's work, which is mainly in literature. And I think many people would say, well, I'm not sure early years and children of that age group might really be able to connect with that. So I wondered if you had an example of a, of a project that um, Shakespeare Birthplace Trust have done in that early years environment that you could share with us. Absolutely. Um, I think I'll pick as an example the work that we did with Coventry Libraries last year on their One Million Reads project, so part of the City of Culture. Um, it was actually that funding that allowed the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust to concentrate and focus on an early years programme. Um, and through that funding, we developed our own early years workshop, so led by drama practitioners. Um, before you get any ideas of, of us tackling Shakespeare's text with early years children and picking up the complete works, that's not what we were aiming for. Um, what we actually did was we took a play such as Midsummer Night's Dream and then created a poem based on the play. Um, so for the early years children, it includes all the main themes, all the main parts of the stories. But it's an interactive poem that the children can participate in themselves. So it's got those repeated refrains that children can join in. Um, and we actually set that up as a, a 
treasure hunt. So they take part in part of the poem and they'd go around the library exploring that new space for some of them, finding various things related to the story. So it might have been fairy wings, it might have been bells, it might have been donkey's ears for bottom. Um, and then they gathered all of those things and they brought them back to create um, a tough tray, which was sort of like the centre point um, for the storytelling and creating their small world for the, for the story. Um, and then after that, um, after a quite a lot of activity and action, um, the children then got a chance to actually have a bit more quiet time. And then they had to go at a range of craft activities, um, taking things like fairy wands and wings and crowns away with them to hopefully then continue their storytelling at home if they've been inspired by the experience. Um, and then finally, we ended with a movement session. Um, so again, it was all based on the story itself but the children were uh, pretending to be Titania and they were dancing around with their ribbon scarves um, they were using various props um, and they had a really they had a wonderful time um, we've done a lot of work in the primary age with Shakespeare week um, and they people said that at the time they said oh we know why would you you can't engage with Shakespeare at primary school um, and we're not tackling you know, every part of the text at every age with every age group. But the idea is there's something there for everyone at each age. They can find their own their own Shakespeare. And hopefully that Shakespeare doesn't just become some uh, a playwright that you're examined on by the time that you get to secondary school, um, where you sort of like sit and read round and people don't necessarily understand all of the words or there's no work necessarily done to, um, to help people understand. We're trying to empower children uh, so that they feel that Shakespeare is theirs is theirs to explore at whatever level yeah. they're at amazing so I mean just those two examples really highlight just the difference that kind of arts and culture can make in the sort of development of children during their early years and sounds like you've experienced some really positive partnerships and Liz I was thinking in your role you kind of get an opportunity to have much more of a kind of an oversight of what's going on across the sector um how, what role do you think arts and culture does play in the in the development at early years? Um, I think that, you know, as I've said before, it, it's a really powerful vehicle for early years educators. But I agree with Balja, it's not always as um, prevalent in all the settings that we see. And I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. I think that partnerships bring confidence to practitioners who maybe aren't as competent. I'm not a naturally creative person, so my creativity comes from working with others and finding out about things. And I think partnerships can be really good at supporting, you know, nurseries or childwinders to build those skills and build their own confidence in delivering creative opportunities to early years children I think where it happens really successfully you can see that as soon as you walk into the setting and I think it you know I, I was very lucky in my induction period to visit lots of different settings and it doesn't look one way everywhere creativity is throughout early years in Coventry but maybe not as thoroughly as in some of the set some of the settings that I've been to. Um, I think that we have a great opportunity as early years educators to build our own curriculums, to think about the children that we are educating, the context of our setting. And I think if we could bring together different partnerships like what we've listened to, 
They tend sometimes, in my experience, to be more school-based. Mm. And I feel that we we are missing um, the sector of early years in terms of nurseries, childminders, in supporting them. They have as crucial a role as teachers to educate children. Um, and for some settings, it's the first place they will go outside of their home. Yeah. So I think that if we can upskill and build confidence in that sector and creativity we will reap the benefits as they go through school and you know for example the Shakespeare example it's not that we want them to know all about Shakespeare but to know Shakespeare to know different artists to know different types of music before they arrive at school I think would set them in really good stead for their future mm -hmm. and maybe offer you know we we quite often hear nationally that we don't have enough, you know, young people going into the creative world in terms of work. And and maybe if we could put that focus into early years for creativity, we might see, not now, but in years to come, we might see that impacting on the workforce in the creative arts as we move forward. So I think that there really is a um, an opportunity to build partnerships within the early years sector and to really upskill those practitioners and give them the confidence to you know, to go on and to take these children on wonderful adventures. It's such an important part of a child's development. I think um, research suggests that the development that the, that the child's brain goes through during that early years phase will actually shape the person that they might become in their future. And it's so good to hear that there are so many really positive advocates about the role that arts and culture can play um, in in that development. But I think one of the things that I, I think might be really useful is to hear about some of the partnership challenges that you might have faced or some of the difficulties that can actually happen when you're trying to bring in arts and culture partnerships into settings. I'm, I'm going to ask you, Baljit, if you can give us any thoughts on that. I think that what happens to early years practitioners is that they take creativity to be this thing that they do through children so often they don't get the opportunity to experience this level of creativity themselves as individuals as people as groups as adults and they've been schooled in a certain way and therefore they act and behave and do in a certain way and almost creativity becomes you know the art and craft corner in the nursery and we know it's it's greater than that so for me, I, I think that the partnership working is a two-way affair. It's where uh, creative practitioners and artists draw upon the early years expertise and the early years draw upon um, the creative um, practitioner expertise. Um, and it could be any discipline, couldn't it? I mean, I think we should work cross-disciplinary anyway um, because I think that there is a lot that we can do in early years uh, to enable that creativity uh, with our children. But I think that we, we're missing the adults here who need to be able to work in those ways for themselves in order to work with children in those ways as well. Yeah, so you'd, you'd probably suggest that there is some learning and some training to be Absolutely. done. Absolutely. Does that... You were nodding quite vigorously there, Sarah. I'm wondering if that kind of resonates with your experience as well. I was just thinking that it was very interesting. I was thinking in, in my area, there's been over the last few years so much more of a shift. I think in the past, we would all create work. So for the early years, create a course. 
without necessarily always speaking to the people that the work was for. Um, and I, I don't think I just speak for myself necessarily when I'm saying that. Um, so with the early work that year, early years work that we've done was it was first of all setting up a, a focus group, getting a lot of people into a room and saying, what is it that you want? We've, we, we would like to work with you, but what is it that you would, you would like and how can we be useful for you to you? Um, and I think that's the basis for creating any um, successful work, to, to not think that straight away you've got it right. When we're talking about partnerships, we learned so much from the partners that we worked with, Ascension Dance and um, Collar and Cuffs Theatre Company. Um, they inspired us for the work that we created and hopefully vice versa in terms of the Shakespeare work that they then went on to on to produce. But we've been out talking to nurseries and saying, what would you like us to do? And then we can focus on that. So we're not just presuming that people would like the work that, that we've got. Um, and then also listening to feedback, going out and trying things um, and then seeing what worked and what didn't work so well. Um, so for the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust, we're always looking to improve the work that we're offering um, and then go back and, and, and deliver once again. And hopefully that way of partnership working means that we get useful content for us, for the children, but also helping nurseries or children's centres we're working with too. Yeah. And, and I think what we really want to see is those moments that really are transformational for our children. And I'm going to ask you all just to have a moment to think about that that moment that you might have seen where where just a golden moment, something that happened in a in a child's experience of a moment that that felt important or significant or just has stuck with you it's almost like Liz you were talking about that beautiful daffodil painting but has is, has there been something that you've seen that has really stayed in your memory because you've just thought yes that's it that's why we're doing this work because of that what do you think I'm gonna maybe start with you Liz I think for me in my experience as an early as teacher I would probably think of um, times like nativity plays because I think that you will have in your class or in your cohort of children some children who um, may seem quite shy or, or fairly quiet don't put themselves forward and I'm thinking of a, a little girl who in a nativity play I mean, I could not believe this was the same child. As soon as she was on the stage, you know, performing with her parents watching and lots of... She just... She came alive. You know, it was a, a side to her that I really hadn't seen as her class teacher. And that gave me then a way to, I suppose, tap into what she was really interested in and where she she was very confident to support her in other areas of her learning. So... You know, to some people, it's it's the nativity play that you do because that's what we do in schools and we do them every year. But to me, that moment showed me that for some children, that that that's their moment, mm. you know, and that will stay with her and with her parents and with me for the rest of our lives because she, even the other staff members, we were all just like, wow, she, you know, she needs to be on the West End stage. <laughs> she was just wonderful. So I think that when I look back to, to moments where, it's really transformed a child, that would be one that I would go to and also transformed my thinking about that child and my knowledge of that child. Brilliant. Okay, for me, it's the, the subtle things that are missed. There are so many subtle moments that are missed uh, when working with children. Little things like the child who 
spent a whole week bringing me tiny random things out of the garden and saying, this is for you. So I could have read this several ways, but I think I think what the child was doing was appealing to what I do, which is, um, you know, I have an interest in materials and beautiful things and bits and bobs. And I think that what she was actually doing was giving me the gifts that, you know, I would often offer the children, random bits to play with, to do with, to think about. So I think she did the same. Another example, I think, is a little boy. We did a project on birds, quite a long-term project. And the little boy, when given feathers said, ah, oh, William Shakespeare had one ah. of these. <laughs> and so we went on to discuss the quill and we did some of this drawing. So that's just reminded me. But it is the subtle things. I think there are a lot of things that are seen and interpreted through the EYFS, which is fine. But actually, there are many, many subtle moments that are completely missed or passed over. Um, and for me, those are the moments. Mm. And there are many of those. And I'm trying to think here. I can't think of any others at the moment. <laughs> that was beautiful, that was though. Lovely. That was really, really lovely. Sarah? Um, I think for me it took place in a, a library setting in Stratford. We're running drop-in sessions. Um, and quite often it's, it's, un, you know, it's unlike school, isn't it? People arrive at different times. People might arrive late. They might not be there for the whole thing, which is, of course, absolutely fine. But I could see um, our practitioner was working really hard to draw all of the children into the session. Um and just the absolute magic they were doing, they're imagining that they'd got a flower. So we're thinking about the flower in a midsummer night's dream. And there wasn't a prop. There was nothing there for them to see, but they'd all got their own flower and watching their faces as they were exploring it. Um, they weren't asked to, but two very excited children then ran over to their parents and they were just sharing this imaginary flower with their parents and describing it. And I just thought, goodness, what a magical moment and something that will will stay with me. Um, also, we've been lucky enough to invite Aaliyah's children to our sites as well, to Mary Arden's farm, um, particularly for children who wouldn't be going to places like that regularly, um, seeing their faces when they come onto a site like that and then exploring and giving them an enjoyable and enriching first experience of Shakespeare where you know on on properties where Shakespeare would have actually been where he'd have walked yeah. that also felt quite magical too that's given me goosebumps like that idea of the imaginary flower I can just I can just we can all we're all smiling and nodding like we can really feel that the power of that and and just that example of where children's imaginations are kind of let free um which feels really important so I'm going to ask you all if you have a kind of a top tip for for successful partnership working so what what makes it really work well what should we be thinking of or be mindful of I think we've had lots of really important important um contributions today about where partnerships have worked but what is it for you that if you could give give someone a top tip what should they be really thinking about i'll start with you Belgian. i think it's got to be long-term sustainable short quick coming and going doesn't really work um i think we have to it has to become a way of working nice thank you liz I think for me, it's about being open, uh, about being, you know, receptive as a partner to the other person. And also, if you are the partner, being receptive to the needs of the setting. And I think just being open minded. And I say that as somebody who 
as I've said, isn't naturally creative. And, you know, when I first went into teaching at a very young age of 22 and had to do art lessons, felt quite daunted about that. So I think it's about being open where I've worked with partnerships in the past and I'm thinking Warwick Art Centre we used to do a great partnership with those it was about myself being open because I think that you can learn lots from other people and and as the partner going in as well you know like Sarah alluded to learning from those people that you're working with so that would be my tip lovely and Sarah very similar really I think it's good good communication um and honesty really Mm. um leaving your fear at the door if you can, <laughs> um, being open to trying new things um, and realising that both both part, you know, both partners are equally valid and bringing different things to the table. That is amazing. Okay, you might have thought that was a big question, <laughs> but we're actually going to finish with an even bigger question. So um, really pulling on your expertise here. If you had the power, like I'm going to give you all a magic wand, if you had the power to wave that magic wand and make one change for the early years sector, what what do you think that change might be? Well, there's lots of quizzical faces. Everyone's looking up to the sky. That is a big, big amount of power. Anybody want to go first? I think if I'm thinking about creativity and partnerships um, and representing that cultural diversity that we have in Coventry I think for me it would be some a project or something that would allow partnership with earlier settings whether that was through funded training days or um, creative partners going into settings and working with them I think that if I had a magic wand that that would be amazing if that could happen throughout Coventry. It would make a real difference. Balget, go on. Gosh, um, I think it's not a not not quite a return to the creative partnerships, but I would like to, and I think it's perhaps the same thing that Liz is saying. But I would like to see, um, you know, creative partnerships being introduced into early years. Um, I'd like to see early years practitioners being able to experience working collaboratively in partnership with a range of um, a range of people a range of disciplines people from you know from the arts the creative worlds that, that are out there mm-hmm. um yeah I think it's not a return I, you know it's not that it's it is a more sustained collaborative, ongoing, longer-term partnership that I would like to see um, in a consistent kind of way, not just short-term projects. Yeah, nice. Sarah, you've got the final wave of the magic wand. I absolutely agree with both of you. To have the funding, to have those long-term partnerships, to have the work that we've done so far with early years has been more short short term um, running sessions at libraries or having um, nurseries come and visit us um, at our properties but to be able to work over a period of a year a couple of years with organizations would be absolutely incredible um and for me as i've got the final wave of the magic wand i'd just like every child every child to have the opportunity to visit the theater to visit historic properties um, and for money not to be 
the barrier to that. Um, we've all talked about the magic that can can happen when children have these creative opportunities, but it shouldn't be for the privileged few. It should be for everyone. Um, and we need people to make that commitment and, and make it happen through sustained funding. And what brilliant people to have put the wand in the hand of, because I think your expertise and your passion and your hopes for the future of early years, culture and arts is is really inspiring. And I want to thank you on behalf of Coventry's Cultural Education Partnership for coming here today and sharing that with us. So thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of CSEP's Brilliant Podcast. We're here to spread the word, bring people together through brilliant partnerships that create more opportunities for Coventry's learning and cultural sectors to work together, to improve the quality of activity and extend the reach and impact of cultural learning for all children and young people. If you'd like to join us on our mission, you too can become a cultural champion, someone committed to working together to make sure that children and young people have access to arts and culture. To sign up to become a cultural champion or to find out more about CSEP, please visit our website at coventrysep.org.uk or subscribe to our newsletter or find us on social media across all the most popular platforms. To be the first to hear about the future episodes of this podcast, just search for CSEP's Brilliant Podcast in your favourite podcast app and click subscribe. And a big thanks to a brilliant Year 11 student from a Coventry Extended Learning Centre who created our podcast's music with the Coventry Music Hub.